0: The Torah tells us in Parshas Bi, in chapter twelve Parakute Bayes verse eight Pasukes, Viahluasart U On that night they shall eat the meat roasted over fire together with matse and bitter herbs. This verse tells us of the requirement our people had while yet in Egypt to eat matzah on the night of the fifteenth of Nisan, which is surprising, as when we're commanded to eat matzah for generations, in the Torah portion of Re'eh we're commanded Shivas Yamim Olav Matzah Lechem Eini Ki B'chi Yatsasa Me'Eretz Mitzraim. for seven days you shall eat matzahs. Here matzahs are called bread of affliction for you departed the land of Egypt in haste. The matzah we must eat must be specifically lechem o'ini, poor bread, and not matzah ashira, not enriched matzah, matzah that may have been made with honey or with wine or with fruit juice. Now, lechem ani isn't mentioned in the portion of Bui when we actually leave Egypt, which would then seem to suggest that at the time yet in Egypt, the Jews were able to fulfill this mitzvah of eating matzah with enriched matzah as well. Accordingly, it's understood that though for future generations, the matzah must be lechem ani specifically during, but prior and in preparation to the redemption from Egypt, it was possible to use matzah ashira. Now, the celebration of redemption in Egypt, Pesach in Egypt, is the source and the root for Pesach and for the eating of matzah in all future generations, which then tells us that this concept of the possibility of eating enriched matzah in the preparation stages for leaving Egypt should be similar for Pesach in future generations. Indeed, in the Gemara, in the Tractate of Psochem, in discussing the mitzvah of eating matzah at the Seder, the commentary the Mordechai states that in temple times the Seder was performed after a full festive meal was consumed, and in those days they would eat enriched matzah at their festive meal, in order that their motzi blessing not include the matzahs to be used for the mitzvah of the Seder and the mitzvah of eating matzah, which would only be lechemoni, bread of affliction, non-enriched matzah. It's similar to what we do today, though we eat our festive meal after we eat matzah. The law is that on the morning of Pesach, though we may not eat matzah itself, one may eat matzah made with fruit juice, enriched matzah. And because this is the halacha, that one may consume enriched matzah, this again points to the fact that that one one is only preparing for the holiday, there is a possibility of eating matzah ashira. In the mitzvah of eating lechem oni for generations to come, the verse explains that the reason for consuming matzah is because we left Egypt with haste, and their dough could not rise. Since lechem oni, humble bread, removes not only the possibility of eating chametz, but also the eating of enriched matzah, it's probable that leaving Egypt with haste is also the reason why one cannot fulfill the mitzvah of eating matzah with enriched matzah. How, though, is leaving with haste reason for not being able to fulfill the mitzvah of matzah with matzah asherah? This verse in Parshas a begins, "Do not eat on it any chametz for seven days; you shall eat matzahs, which teaches us that we can only fulfill the obligation of matzah with grains that can become leavened, and the connection to leaving Egypt in a rush to this obligation of matzah made of leavenable grain is simply that since the dough we left with didn't rise because of the haste with which we left, eating matzah in memoriam to this would mean eating leavenable matzah, which we guard, so that it too doesn't become chametz, reminding us of our leaving Egypt, Bechipazon, in a rush. Since regarding both of these obligations, enriched matzah and things that do not become leavened on Pesach, the verse provides the same reason that they left Egypt in haste, we understand that both of these types of matzah would not be suitable for the fulfillment of the mitzvah of matzah. On the other hand, we find that though the prohibition of matzah ashira is only mentioned when we reflect on Pesach, for generations to come. This law was generally in place already on that first Passover in Egypt. The matzah for Pesach night must be from a dough which can become leavened. The Talmud Yerushalmi teaches this based on the verse in Parsha's Bo that says, The only way to fulfill this mitzvah is with matzahs that require guarding from rising. In other words, even though Pesach in Egypt could have been fulfilled eating matzah ashira. It had to be such that would require guarding from, for example, adding water to the fruit juice with which the matzah ashira is made, guarding from something which would make the dough leavenable and rapidly leavenable. Let's understand matzah ashira versus lechem oni at a deeper level. Lechem oni, humble bread, is made of flour and water. It's tasteless. Matzah ashira is a dough that has flavor as it's made of flour and fruit juice, or wine, or oil, or honey. In one's divine service, lechem oni is the service of Kabbalah's all, service that is done without gain of immediate reward of pleasure. There's no reasoning and thus nothing that gives a person pleasure in this divine service. Matzah Ashira is a divine service, though, that has taste and thus reason, which gives pleasure to the person. When a person's service is only about Kabbalah Ol, with no flavor of reason and no emotional connection, there is a possibility that he will be motivated otherwise to do the opposite of God's will. But with the power of his Kabbalah Ol, he suppresses the inclination towards evil and serves God. When, however, one's divine service incorporates reason, it is one's reason and emotional commitment that negate the possibility of going against divine will, and the evil is thus banished. Therein is the connection between these two types of matzah matzah ashira and matzah of grains that cannot become leavened. Spiritually, there's a, this is a product and its result. Aveda done with seho. Logic and Midos, emotions, a Matza Ashira divine service, organically negates any possibility of spiritual leavening or negativity. It's particularly and only the Lechem ani divine service of Kabbalat all that makes space for negative leavening. But the evil is subjugated and cannot spread or grow because it's guarded with consistent application. These two modes of divine service are general reflections of the two redemptions, our redemption from Egypt and the future redemption with the coming of Mashiach. When we left Egypt, we fled, fleeing from the strong and ongoing intensity of the impurities of Egypt that still inhabited our souls and our spirits. This was a service of subjugation subjugation, and a lechem service. But in the future redemption, there'll be no running and no rushing from evil, as God himself will remove evil from this world. And this is a service of transformation, where the evil itself is transformed to light, a matzah ashira, divine service. Therefore, the words in Torah that tell us this, that we left in haste, also tell us that we cannot eat matzah ashira on Pesach night, nor matzah from a non-leavening grain. Because when the impurity is still deeply entrenched, the required divine service is not one of intellect, reason, passion of pleasure, but rather of a subjugation, a lechem divine service of kabbalah's all. There's more. The law that Pesach cannot be celebrated eating matzah shira isn't only because it isn't of the nature of our departure from Egypt. Fleeing from a yet entrenched evil of Egypt, a Kabbalat all-service, but also because there is a benefit to lechem ani to pour bread over matzah ashira, enriched matzah to the redemption from Egypt over the future redemption. Though in the matzah ashira work, the evil is vanquished completely, there is still a value in the subjugation of the evil, the lechem ani work, because in this work we use our human strength and our efforts to fight the evil. To put this another way, the work of transformation highlights the unification of man and God brought about by man's work to refine himself to the extent that his existence now negates the possibility of bad. Subjugation highlights the nullification before God, nullifying the self, one's thoughts, and even desires in doing the very opposite of his base nature to fulfill God's will. This is actually a reason why in the future redemption, the redemption from Egypt will feature, because the goal is that both of these types of service coexist, even when one is in a state of transformation, where there is complete purification and total separation from natural inclinations, the service of men's self-subjugation, the Egyptian redemption service too, plays its role. The Al explains into her that this is why in God's promise to Jacob that he will descend into Egypt with him and raise him up out of Egypt. The verse uses the word I will raise you up in two forms. I will raise you up and you will be raised up. One references the redemption from Egypt, the second the redemption in the future. One a service that brings a person to a higher state, the other a service that where one brings oneself to a deeper state. Bringing these together in the verse indicates that the work of the redemption from Egypt will influence the redemption in the future, and the future redemption must be experienced in the redemption from Egypt. Why do these two have to be experienced together? Because the possibility of fighting evil and vanquishing it, even as it's firmly entrenched within us, possibly even after it's broken, we discover it remains a presence. Like when we realize we had to flee Egypt because the impurity and the evil were still entrenched within us, requires the assistance of an awareness that there will be a time when our fighting against this evil this way will pay off and the evil will be fully vanquished. So even prior to the beginning of the redemption from Egypt, God speaks of both of these modes of redemption, I'll raise you up. You'll be raised up from this exile. Mention of the future redemption at the time of mentioning the redemption from Egypt isn't just to inform us of the future redemption. It's to empower the Jew right now in his awareness that with this service that will be required for his personal leaving Egypt, there's a foretaste of a future redemption, the one God will make possible the complete vanquishing of evil. Of course, it seems, we might ask, we're only at the beginning of this journey of exile. The impurity is so deeply entrenched. How is it possible to fathom a time when the impurity will be completely vanquished? Right now, indeed, we need to use the path of subjugation to battle, to nullify the thoughts and the desires that drive us away from God. But we needn't feel burdened by this divine service or forced. Rather, to connect this nullification of self with self awareness, owning this path of nullification and subjugation of the negative in our minds and in our emotions, and thereby engaging with his service with pleasure. In this way, the future redemption, as it exists within the redemption from exile experience, isn't just an intellectual exercise of an ultimate experience of transformation. Rather, it can be experienced within the work of subjugation itself. This, then, is the explanation for why the matzah that our nation ate in Egypt in preparing to leave Egypt could be matzah ashira, but it had to be matzah that required guarding from leavening. The future redemption aspect of our redemption from Egypt allowed for matzah ashira enriched matzah, even as we're still within the Egyptian exile experience. When the future redemption becomes incorporated in the Egyptian redemption, there's a possibility for this enriched matzah in the Egyptian redemption experience. But this enrichment or pleasure is only in the experience of our engaging with the actual nullification service in our Egyptian redemption. But we aren't ready to be unguarded, as the evil remains deeply entrenched. Leaving Egypt and the effort in the divine service of having left, we must, however, eat only Lechem ayini. Our status in leaving Egypt was such that it changed from being servants of Parai and becoming God's servants. We were now at a level of taking upon ourselves the sovereignty of God alone, to be followed by the acceptance of God's commands. And at this sensitive state of accepting God's sovereignty, there can be no sense of self for man at all. So no other flavor can be brought into this moment of divine service. It must be distraction-free, reflective of Lechem Eini only, a state of absolute nullification.